Hey everybody, this is Gene Troyer. I'm the lead pastor of Restore Church. And what a pleasure it is to welcome you to our podcast. It's my hope that you will be marked by love and encouraged in your faith and inspired to become all God has created you to be. Now I invite you to lean in and enjoy the podcast. Well, good morning, everybody, again. Brendan and I are excited to start this uh, series that we're beginning this morning called Some Assembly Required. It is, um, it's been a while since we've done a team teach or since we've talked about uh, relationships explicitly. But um, we believe that uh, as relationships are healthy, so are families and so are community. And, uh, and so as we work through these next three weeks, our hope is, is that um, all the things that are not aligned right now in our relationships, that they would get closer to being aligned. We know that when two worlds collide, in other words, when two people get married or when two people are in relationship, we all have our own wants, needs, and desires, and sometimes those things don't mesh very well with each other. And, um, and so we're going to we're going to do our best to help start put some things together when we, uh, w as we work through these next number of weekends. The interesting thing, though, is that we have so many competing values, right? Like, there are so many things competing for our time, our attention, our energy. And there are oftentimes, at the end of the day, end of a week, there's just, like, nothing left to put toward, like, the most important relationships. So we get it. We get that. And, and often then with that comes this disappointment then. So we don't have time to put into the relationships and then we're disappointed because it really doesn't look like we'd hoped. But um, today we want to dive into just this, um, to talk about staying power, specifically in the marriage relationships. But um, I think Jean and Gene said this earlier, like this is stuff that applies to any relationship. So we'll be speaking from like that marriage perspective this morning, but singles, students, hang with us, right? You can apply this stuff um, in any relationships that you're committed to. So how do you stay when the feels are gone? Mm. When you're not feeling it anymore, how do you manage to stay? Yeah, is it, is it worth the hard work? I don't know. Well, Sometimes it's, it doesn't seem like it. We believe it is. We believe I'm just it being is. real, friends. I'm just being real. Sometimes you... it seems easier to step out. Yeah, it does. It does. And sometimes when we hit a wall, uh, our first inclination is just to step back and out. Mm -hmm. this, is, this is the thing that is the easiest to do. The hardest thing to do is to lean in and, and do the work that's required. Like to choose to be and to stay in love. Yeah, well. It's a choice. Yeah, there's, there's this thing called irreconcilable differences. <laughs> and sometimes we feel and we, it appears like that's what we have is irreconcilable differences. But Brenda and I have worked with a lot of couples. Uh, we've worked through our own stuff. And what we know is that those irreconcilable differences stem from a place of misalignment. And typically, it is misalignment with the good work that Jesus wants to do in our lives. And we step back too early most of the time before we've actually allowed the hard work to be done 
in us. So what does it mean to love each other? What does it really mean? Well, Jesus talked to his disciples in John chapter 13, and he said, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. He says this is a new command. But in the Old Testament, we also see that we are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. But what's new here is not love in itself, but it's a new kind of love. See, Jesus is telling the disciples this shortly after he had just taken on the um, attitude of a servant and had washed the disciples' feet just prior to eating the Passover meal with them. Remember this? When he bent down, took the disciples' feet, took the, the position of a slave, he put aside his prestige, he put aside his position, he laid aside his rank, laid aside himself to actually present this new way of love. This is a new pattern that he's pointing us to to say, okay, guys, you know, you've, you're supposed to love, but I'm going to ask you to love as a servant love, as an agape love, as an unconditional love. The second thing he's pointing to here is a, a new power. How in the world do we love each other as he has loved us? He points to, again, John chapter, uh, this time in chapter 15, and he says, I am in the Father, and he is in me, and you are in me, and I am in you. This is the new power, is that we abide in the vine, right? We, we don't, he also uses that in John 15, this, this image of, of a vine, and we have to be in the vine. We have, to, we have to receive from the vine, which is Jesus. This is how we empower the love that he's asking us to love with. Right, and I love this, this idea. As Jesus did with everything, he elevates yes. the law. He just like says, yeah, that was that, but now here's this. And so he's just elevating this new, there's this new standard for love. Um, we also read in 1 Corinthians uh, 13, says all the things that love is. So we'll take inventory here. It says love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. Gulp. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. I think we can look at that and say, love doesn't fail? Because I think we've experienced that in our natural, right? Where it feels like love has failed. It feels like love has failed. What do you do then? You know, we, we can blame, uh, you know, we can blame God. Uh, we can blame each other. But at the end of the day, does love, it says love never fails. So we have to assume that this is true. If we believe the word, believe the Bible, we believe that love never fails. And so what happens when it feels like it fails? What happens when one or the other in a relationship doesn't follow through and it actually does feel like love has failed? Well, uh, what we have to remember is that love is a verb. Love is a verb. It's sort of like saying jump fails. Well, if you're going to jump, you ever done box jumps? 
Yeah, I try to avoid them too. I, I watch them on reels. I'm amazed. Yeah, Looks painful. There's, there's some really good jumpers. I'm not one of yeah. those. Nope. White men can't jump, I guess. So, <laughs> But if you don't try, then you failed already. Um, the jump hasn't failed. You've failed. The same way with love. When love fails, it's not love. It's you and it's me. It is our circumstances that we find ourselves in. They fail us. Love doesn't fail. And actually, if we bring it back to this verse, love never fails because God is love. That's right. Right? That's good. So that's what we're looking here. So God never fails. Just to kind of bring that uh, chapter to um, a close there. But um, as we were talking about all these things that love is, I remembered this fresh fruit series that we just came through and the fruit of the spirit. Doesn't it sound a lot the same? Yeah. I think it's just this beautiful, um, again, these ways that love expresses itself or, or the do nots as well. But I think it's this, this great correlation and another way of, of seeing what love is. So love is a verb. And what's it look like? What's, a, 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 what's love look like? When we live it out, it looks like patience. It looks like kindness. It looks like living with humility, being humble. And it looks like honoring each other. What love is not is, is self-seeking. And by the way, um, some of you may be in a relationship right now that you haven't tied the knot yet, but maybe it's a fresh relationship, whatever the case Here's one of the things you should be looking out for. If all you're doing is give, 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 and all she does is take, 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 you should run, run, run. <laughs> like, you don't wanna stay there. You don't wanna stay there. That's a really ominous, ominous sign. You don't uh, wanna say, stay there. I'm glad you didn't run. <laughs> well, I'm glad you didn't just take, take, take. <laughs> Self-seeking is selfishness. At its core, it is selfishness. And selfishness looks like envy. And the reason uh, I believe that, that we are envious of other people is not because they have something we want or because they are what we hope to be. It's because of selfishness. It can also look like boasting. And we don't boast because we believe we're all that. Uh, and we don't, we don't live out of a place of pride because we believe we're all that. Most of the time, those characteristics are characteristics of things within us that we're not happy with. Mm -hmm. And those things show up in these ugly ways of pride and boasting. And yet it simply says that your self-esteem is probably not very healthy. And you've really forgotten who you are. Yes. Right? At the root of that is like we are not living out of our our true identity. Right, it's like we God have- God designed us to be. Yeah, it's like we have a bad case of amnesia. Like you just simply forget who God is and how he's created you. You forget what he is, the power he's placed within you. And I, we forget sometimes. And when we forget and we don't act out of that place of who we are, who we were created to be, um, it can really hit the fan with the relationships, right? Um, but another part of what Corinthians tells us about love is that it is not easily angered. Anybody uh, struggle with that one, right? This one is so challenging because 
people in relationship are often so different, right? Like our personalities, the way we do things, it's often so, so different. And I mean, my perspective is right, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Guys, this is what you do. <laughs> Yes, ma'am. After 35 years, he gets it. Um, but no, so we can like be in this place of like being offended, being just like, like prickly and just like, oh, because if you would just change, I could stay right where I am. And the thoughts I have, if I'm stuck or not, right? But so often we want, we just, those things that are different just make us yeah, all sideways. I don't know, for Gene and I, when we first got married, we didn't fight. We'd hear our friends talking about how they were just like, they were just like going at it all the time. And like, is something wrong with us? I think there might be something wrong with us. We're not fighting. Well, if all is good, wait until you have kids. Because that's when it hit for us. That's when our differences really showed up. And he wasn't doing it right, and I was getting mad. So I could have used this challenge of not being easily angered, but... You could have also remembered to not, that love keeps no record of wrong. That's the other thing you could have done. So I can't use any examples? Well... I'm not holding it against you. Okay. I'm not holding it against love you. Love keeps no record of wrong. I mean... Um, Sometimes we want to go back in history, Brenda, and bring up the past and douse the present with the past. That's not That is helpful. not what I did. I know that. Now you're making She's me mad. She's actually very forgiving. <laughs> and forgiveness is a big piece of this. If you want to be in relationship, Absolutely. forgiveness often and quickly is what's required if you want a healthy, strong relationship. That can also be insanely hard, you guys. Like, just recognize that because, and we often, we talk about forgiveness so much because it's so foundational. But always remember, like, when we're saying forgive often, quickly, all of that, we understand that it's, you don't always feel it right away. And we understand how challenging it is and how it doesn't mean that you have given up. It doesn't mean the other person is right. It just means you're keeping your power and you're not letting it control you anymore. So there's, yeah. Uh, love also always protects. Now, I know the first thing that we can think of when we think about protection is the physical side of things right? Like we physically protect each other. But I think that's probably the easiest part of protecting. I think there are things like always protecting um, the other person's reputation, um, maybe re protecting your space. We learned that early on too, that he needed space. Um, protecting the relationship. So there's all these other aspects of protection. It's um, also protecting our hearts and our minds. Yeah, can I just say that, that sometimes this protection piece um, also comes in the form of, of speaking, and I don't know if you mentioned this, but speaking 
about the other person in ways that are true and right and believing the best in them. That's one of the ways we protect each other is to believe the best about each other. And we also protect each other then by asking the questions that come up. Asking the questions of, well, like if you have to be honest with yourself and you're not believing about the best about the other person in that moment, then you have to step back and go, okay, well, why not? Why am I not believing the best in this moment of Brenda? Like what, what's, what's the deal with this? And having honest conversations back and forth about what you're feeling and what you're sensing. Which I think happens when we protect our hearts and minds, yes. right? So the important piece about that is that we have got to, uh, we cannot entertain the negative narratives, right? And that's our first instinct is we can think the negatives so quickly, like so quickly. And then, and then I can't believe the best in you because I've, I've created this other narrative about what is true, but I haven't given you the chance to actually do that. So Philippians 4.8 talks a little bit about this way that we can protect our mind. And in 4.8, it says, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So again, here, we have a choice on what we set our minds on. I can choose to believe the negative narrative, and maybe that comes from what other people have said, or what I just perceived, or what I have decided you think, instead of actually engaging a conversation, which is so much harder, so much harder. But, but if I, we think about, did you want to finish that? Thought? Well, I was just going to say, I think one of the, we've challenged a few couples already to go home and make a list of like, however many th positive things they could think about for their spouse and to think on those things and to share those things with them. And hopefully those lists aren't really short. Right. <laughs> I'm sure some of them were. Long list is what we always <laughs> say, not a short list. Well, if we, if we take Philippians 4, 8 to heart, then we are going to be hopeful people. So love always trusts and love always hopes. This is foundational, not just to our relationships, but it is foundational to our faith, to trust and hope. There's this, uh, we have this constant expectation that God is at work even when he seems out of sight and nowhere to be found. We believe to our core that even when we don't see it, God is still at work in us and in those around us. When we don't have trust, no trust, no hope. Think about it. If you don't have trust in your relationship, you won't have hope. Hope will be absent when there is no trust. So what often happens, and Brenda alluded to this a little bit, but the, there's a gap. Sometimes we have a gap between expectation and reality. And oh, it's a big gap most of the time. Don't you think? Well, I don't know. Is yes, it? Yes, I think so. Okay. I think so. Yes, ma'am. I think, oh, <laughs> he never talks to me like this. Come on, let's be real. <laughs> oh my word. Um, no, because I think we, and, and we, we see this and I experienced this. I had this expectation about what relation, what a marriage would look like. But then the reality and the walking it out was like, wait, what? Like, 
And yeah. so when expectations aren't met, again, we get to choose whether we will trust and whether we will hope in that moment. Right. Whether or not we are going to lean in or we're gonna step back. And so when we have a gap between our expectations and what reality is, we have to talk about that. And even be aware that you have expectations. Because that was the other caveat for me. Yeah. I didn't even know I had them yeah. until you weren't meeting them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that happened. No hope or no trust, no hope. Mm -hmm. But trust builds trust. If you have mutual trust, that's a beautiful thing. But very unhealthy piece of this is that sometimes we have mutual suspicion. And again, it speaks to the expectations we have. And is that expectation that we are going to uh, love each other well, that we're going to trust each other, that we're going to have lots of hope in our relationship, or are we going to submit to the fear that should not be present if there is love? Fear cannot stand in the place of love. And so we lean into, uh, in, lean into love. Right, but then there's also, just to acknowledge, there's also this time when one of the people in the relationship may not be living in that place of love. Like, so we wanna acknowledge that as well. Like, for some of you to hear that always trust and always hope, you're saying, mm-hmm, you don't know my life. So this is like, this is, if, if both people are trying to operate out of this place of love, but just acknowledge that there are some times when one person is simply not living out of that place of love. And I would just say to that, we, we see you, we hear you, um, and, and just encourage you to do what you can. Um, you have the power mm -hmm. to control yourself and to live this way of love out in spite of what the other person is or is not doing. Yeah, what so often happens is, you know, if, if the relationship isn't going well, uh, unrepentant sin is often the culprit. I mean, it simply destroys relationships. If there's unrepented sin, then, uh, you know, hope is not present and trust has probably been broken. And one of those, like, uh, to be in a relationship, a healthy relationship requires uh, my pride to take a back seat. Because if I live out of a place of pride and it's my way, that this is all gonna work out in. If I live from that place of pride, my heart will get hardened and it makes reconciliation virtually impossible when one or the other of the relationship is living uh, with a place, uh, you know, from a place of pride. Right, and so there might be some boundaries that have to be put in place in those scenarios. Yes. Um, but yeah, we just wanted to throw that out as well. <clears throat> we can build trust though. For those of you that are in that space of um, maybe needing to build it, there are a few things that we can talk about um, in that um, arena. And one of those things is consistency. And again, this is, uh, we talked about the fruit of the spirit earlier. We talked about the, the scripture in Corinthians. And if we can live according to these values, not the feelings, right? Often our feelings dictate our behaviors. So we want to live out of this place of these values of love and grace and quick forgiveness, yeah. patience. Yeah, and when these feelings, uh, when the feelings and uh, love cross paths, healthy love, we're very happy about that. 
But in marriage, uh, it is the, the covenant path. Like if we're going to be in a covenant relationship with each, each other, when, if we're married, we follow this path regardless of where the feelings take us. And so following the way of Jesus and allowing his uh, spirit to influence us and uh, guide us, that's, that's really the key to this uh, life of consistency. So again, it's a choice, right? We're choosing to set our minds on the positive yes. things. We're choosing yes, to stay okay. in this covenant path. Uh, communication is another one. Some of you need to talk less and listen more. And if you're like me, I had to learn how to talk more, believe it or not. Um, I had to learn how to express myself in a healthy way. And I'm just actually, I'm still learning that one, but I'm doing better. Well, right. you are, but I would also say that uh, it wasn't in normal conversation that she had a hard time communicating. It was when we hit a wall, when we entered into a place of conflict. And then it was like, you know, extracting <laughs> what she was feeling. And she's a processor, so she would say, well, I have to think about this. Oh, at first would... I didn't even tell you that. Well, eventually I figured I just, that out. I just, I just went inward and had this look. Looks. Right? looks. You had looks. I had looks. Yeah. yeah. So eventually I got to the place where I could say, you know what? I'm going to need a minute to process that. Like, and then I if I was lucky, that, she would not process for it days. out of. Well, <laughs> she, she talks a lot now. Like, I'm trying to get a thought out here. <laughs> she would process herself into deciding it wasn't important for her to actually say what she needed to say. And, um, and sometimes it's wise to do that, but other times you have to decide whether or not you're actually just trying to back away from this place of conflict. When I think many times, like if you're in relationship, like she needs to say what she needs to say because I need to be refined as well. Like all of us, that's what great relationships do. They make us better. And so if one or the other of us is withholding, we don't get better at the rate that we should be getting better at. No, I'm not going to say it. Um, next one, understanding. So it's get clarity. You, you talked about this a little bit earlier, about gaining understanding before attempting to be understood. Oh, this does fit. No, I was just going to say, once I did start talking, he would get defensive. And I'd be like, that's why I never say anything, because you always have an excuse. So, right? Yes. Yes. Now is when you can I felt say, I'm yes, ma'am. Clearly, no. <laughs> clearly needed to defend my position. Right. And so then I felt invalidated. And I just felt like, okay, fine. You're not going to hear what I want to say anyhow, and you have a good reason for all the things. So you just live in that world. I'm not going to talk anymore. <laughs> but we finally got to this place of understanding. And she began to ask questions. Now, why would you want to be that way? And then we got understanding, right? Is that how it worked? No. No, okay. No, no. It's a great idea, though. But to ask questions, to be curious is incredibly important. If you just assume that you know the answer they're going to give, you may be surprised by the answer you're going to get. So asking questions, be curious about the person you're in, the, in relationship with. After 35 years, I know most things about her, but not everything. There's still stuff that bounces around in her head that I'm like, 
I'm really curious about that. <laughs> We're still trying to build trust here, right? Build trust through consistency, no. communication, understanding. And the last one is building trust through caring. Mm -hmm. Consider others better than yourself. I mean, caring requires us to prefer the other person. It's nice and easy to say, I care about you, baby. But my actions might say something entirely different to her, especially if I don't know how to uh, love her in the way that she needs to be loved. So there's, Gary Chapman wrote a book a long time ago called Five Love Languages. And I've always thought of this as being the sort of thing that couples should do. Like you should love each other the way that God designed you to receive love. And so you like get into this book, you kind of, you can take an assessment and you can figure out how the other person wants to be loved. And there is a QR code right there that if you scan that QR code, it takes you to the place online where you can take an assessment that you can find out how do you receive love? How do you best respond to the person in front of you if they, uh, but they have to know how you receive love. So I've always thought of it as being a couple's thing, but honestly, you should know how every one of your kids, if you have children, you should know and uh, act out of a place where you can identify with their love, the love language that they most respond to. And obviously, they need to be old enough to actually answer the questions appropriately, but especially if you have middle schoolers. Middle schoolers can, yeah, they're great kids. Like these guys up here, they're awesome. Sometimes, though, they are complicated, and they may not know how to, uh, how to express themselves. And so, It'd be great for you guys as a family to actually figure out how does everybody in your family receive love and then act on that. So here are a couple ways. Here are the five different ways that people receive love. Uh, they receive love or they experience love through words of affirmation. That's the first one. This is uh, expressing affirmation through spoken affection, praise, or appreciation. Spoken affection. I just want to clear that up. Spoken mm -hmm. affection. Words of affection. Or words of affirmation. Words of affirmation. And that one is one of yours. And it's one that I struggle with the most. Interestingly enough. I'm trying to do better. I appreciate You're awesome. it. I appreciate yeah. it. Acts of service. This one is actions rather than words. And they're used to show and receive love. Mm -hmm. Receiving gifts. Oh, I, I, tr I used to do acts of service, like <laughs> with the intent that that's, well, that's just, this would really make me feel good. So I guess I'll do laundry and I'll straighten the house and I'll do all these things. And she'd come home and be like, eh. Oh, no, hey. I felt like I wasn't doing enough. I wasn't doing it right. I wasn't right, doing it, it fast enough. I wasn't doing it, all these things, right? And I, I was just, just trying to be kind. Felt like, so I didn't feel loved. I felt judged. But she didn't ask me if I was judging her. She just assumed I was judging her. He didn't her. tell me why he was doing it either. <laughs> this was a long time ago. This, are you bringing up the past? <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. Hey, uh, right. receiving Moving gifts on. is the next one. Receiving gifts. Uh, and so maybe some of you, um, that's how you feel loved. Like the more flowers, the better. The more jewelry, the better. Um, you know, it's not really her thing. 
she never turns down jewelry, though. Uh, I, I did learn a while, yeah, it was a couple of years ago, actually. We got to Mother's Day or something, and I said, or Valentine's, Valentine's. Day, and I was like, It always really, bring me roses. Yeah, do you, do oh, you really sweet. want flowers? No, not really. Nice to know. <laughs> Thousands of dollars later. <laughs> it's true, probably true. Uh, the next one is quality time. This is... Uh, out of the five love languages is number four, quality time, expressing affection with undivided, undistracted attention. This is hers. And just as she has trouble with words of affirmation, I have trouble um, with quality time. And um, you have to be really intentional. That's what we figured out. Like you have to be really yeah. intentional and have a deep desire to actually know the person you're in relationship with to the fullest extent possible. And um, Quality time is is one of those that we've I've had to become very um, uh, disciplined to to say uh, okay this is the time that we talk and uh, and sometimes she knows I need space and so she'll she'll postpone that conversation until a little bit later until I've like maybe uh, got some space to myself and. Yeah. Don't feel depleted. Yeah, I know that quality time one is really hard, so I notice when you do it. Physical touch is the last one. See, I, I didn't oh. hear what she said. I said I appreciate it. Oh, thanks, baby. Physical touch is the fifth one, and this love language, affection is experienced through physical touch. Uh, pretty simple and straightforward, but one that um, some people are like, again, I'm a more of a, I don't want to say I'm, yeah, I'm kind of touchy-feely, I guess. But I, uh, I know that some people don't experience love this way. And when they don't, keep your hands off of them. Like, try to. Because um, it doesn't always, um, it does, it's not always helpful. There's the next one. Oh, yeah. Next All right. point. Uh, next point. Love always perseveres. So we're done. We're moving on. We're moving on. We are moving five on. Love languages, moving on. We are going to put that QR code up a little bit longer here in a little bit, and then you can uh, scan it if you haven't done so already. Perfect. Love always perseveres. So it doesn't throw in the towel. It's not going to lose faith. It's always hopeful. Chooses to dig deep, right? And, and resolve the conflict. And that is a, that's a tall order sometime, friends. I know that, right? That is like, I don't have time, energy. I don't know if it's worth it. Like we can talk all those things. But if we are going to love in this way that Jesus loves, with out of that fruit of the spirit that is in us, it's gonna cost us. It's gonna cost us. And our pride is usually like, like that kind of takes it the hardest. And, and so this is hard, right? This whole idea of persevering and not giving up can be really challenging. James 1, 2 to 4 says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And I just want to pause there because this, this line caught me off guard a little bit. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. We can be talking, well, we're talking about love here, right? We're talking about relationships being tested and all that. But at the end of the day, challenging relationships 
test your faith because our faith is rooted in love. So follow me? If you're not living out of this place of love, I'm going to question your faith. Okay, moving on. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And I will just tell you, there are many times that I read this scripture and I just snort because I'm like, I am not considering this pure joy. This is hard. This is challenging. But if we can see it from the perspective that when we, when we stay in it, when we persevere, we actually will experience joy. So let it finish its work. Don't dip out too soon. Stay in it. Let it finish its work. Don't give up on your relationships. Good. You know, we, we think sometimes that we view other people um, in, you know, we observe their relationship. We make some assumptions and we may easily think that they must have a perfect relationship. Trust me, that is not the case. And that's really not the goal. The right. goal is to become all that God's called us to be as we are in relationship together. So exercise staying power, even in suffering and pain, even when things go south, stay with it, maintain and, and grow with each other. Um, and get help, get help. Sometimes you simply need help that you're not giving to each other. Sometimes you hit a wall and you need a refresher, get help. We do this thing around here called Marriage Matters. We have, uh, we have coaches that uh, come alongside those that need it. It could be for premarital counseling. Uh, it could be conversations around just, we wanna get better in our relationship. Maybe you're in crisis. All of those things can be helped by um, the coaches that we have here at Restore coming alongside. So uh, you can go to actually go to restore.church. In the upper right-hand corner, you'll see a link for Marriage Matters. There's a short form you can fill out, and we'd, be, uh, we'd love to uh, come alongside if, that's, if that would be helpful for you. Right. So if you're ever in doubt, if you're ever uncertain about your relationship, like take the time to believe that the best is yet to come. Yeah. Right? There is light at the end of the tunnel. If you stay in it, and if you can change your posture, maybe change your mindset. Again, we're fixing our mind. We're fixing our thoughts. And remember that these trials are going to, they're going to help refine us. And uh, we grow as we grow deeper in love. But it, it takes a lot, right? It takes a lot. And there's a lot of things we have to remember. We have to remember that if we want this love that never fails, we've got to always trust, always hope, always persevere. Um, pray for your spouse. Guys, I can't tell you how powerful that is, is if you just pray for them instead of trying to change them, because that, that doesn't work. That does not work. Um, always become, work on becoming the best version of you. You can be responsible for you. And as you become the best version of you, the relationship, you'll have more to bring to the relationship. Um, surrender the rest to Jesus and, and see what he'll do. That's right. When we choose to live this way, we stay in love. Mm -hmm. And when we choose to live differently, we're going to win. It means having a mindset that is intent on this is going to work. And both parties need to be, uh, have that mindset. When we choose to live this way, when we surrender our relationships to God, we develop staying power. And, um, 
as Brenda mentioned earlier, we are often the ones that uh, change first because we've chosen to see others. When we have this perspective, we see others from the perspective of Jesus. And because of that, we're going to love differently. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. Please rate and review us on Spotify and iTunes and join us again for next week's podcast. We love you and pray blessing and peace over you and your family. <laughs>